Hey guys, and welcome to episode six of the VoiceOver Roadmap podcast. We've got some great performance audio and business questions today, which we'll get to in a little bit, as well as a home studio review. Uh, but before we get into that, I just want to let you know that you can submit a question for a future episode by going to voiceoverroadmap.com slash questions. And you can listen to the show on iTunes, on YouTube, and on voiceoverroadmap.com. And if you like the show and you could please leave a rating and review on iTunes, that'd be great and go a long way to uh, getting the show out there and helping more people find it. So thanks so much for listening and let's get into our questions. So our first question this week is our performance question and it comes from Tim who asks, what are some ways to keep consistency in long form projects like audiobooks or long e-learning narrations? This is a great question and a great thing that you're even thinking about, Tim. So it's good that you're asking this question. When you're doing an audiobook or an e-learning narration, corporate narration, medical narration, anything like that that's really long, consistency is really important because you don't want to send it to the client and then have them come back to you and say, hey, how come, uh, you know, 25 minutes in, it sounds different? Were you sick that day? What happened? And then you have to go back and redo a huge chunk of audio. That would just be a real pain and you want to try to avoid that upfront as much as possible. So uh, some things that I would recommend for this is to create a reference file. So if you're doing, say, a long e-learning narration, after the first session that you do, whether it's just for an hour or a day, whatever it is, I would go back and just take a 20, 30 second chunk of audio that you think is a good example of the overall tone and style of the read. And I would save that and export that as its own MP3 file. And you can call it something like the project name, reference file, whatever you want to call it. Um, And then I would save that and then have that so that every time you start a new session for that project, if you're working on it, you know, multiple times in a day or multiple days in a week or even over the course of many weeks or, or even months, I would start every session by listening to that reference file just a couple times in a row, reading along with it, kind of getting yourself back in that zone. And then what I would do is go back to where you're going to be picking up and then just look back 30 seconds or so into where you left off and read along with yourself the last 30 seconds that you recorded and then read the next 30 seconds of the new section and do that once or twice just to kind of just to kind of bridge that gap and get yourself back into it and then just record and keep going from there. I would do the same kind of thing for an audiobook. So say you're doing an audiobook and it has multiple different characters or maybe not necessarily characters, but just different voices or inflections that you're using to differentiate between male or female characters, whatever it is. I would create a reference file, a separate reference file for each different voice. So let's say you're doing uh, an audiobook that has your narrator and you have characters A, B, and C. After the first session, I would go back and even if you're not going to edit the the audiobook session by session. Maybe you're going to record everything in different sessions and then go back and do all of your editing at the end, which is totally fine. I would still go back after your first session and create these reference files. So create a narrator reference file, character A reference, character B, character C, whatever it is. Or if you're just using a different tone for male and female, make a male reference, female reference, whatever it is. Then the same thing. Every time you start a new session, go back, listen to these references a few times, read along with them, get yourself back in that zone. And then you'll have it in your head exactly what it needs to sound like for each different character and for the narrator so you can pick right back up and get back into it and do it the same way. And if after your first session, you know, if it's an audiobook, maybe you haven't introduced every character yet, then just wait until each character is introduced. And after you do a session where a character was introduced for the first time, even if you're not going to edit everything at once, right then and there, still go back, take out a little 30-second chunk of that character speaking, make your reference file, save it, put them all together in one folder, and then... Go back and just listen to that before each session that you're going to do where you're going to have to perform those voices again. 
But it's a great question, and it's a great thing that you're even thinking about. So uh, yeah, thanks for the question, Tim. That's a good one. Our next question is our audio question, and it comes from Rebecca this week, who asks, what are the differences between the different options for live directed sessions, and which should I be using or making available to clients? So there's a couple of different live session options that are popular and available today. I actually have a blog post that I wrote about the free options that are available and how you can set them up and the pros and cons between them. So I will definitely put a link to that in the show notes for you so you can check that out and get some more detailed information. But basically the main options today are just a simple phone call, Skype, Source Connect, IPDTL, and ISDN. There's other ones, but those are kind of the big ones. So a phone call is pretty straightforward. You basically just get on the phone with the client, plug headphones into your phone so that the audio is obviously not being picked up by your mic. And a lot of times clients will set up a conference call line so multiple people can get on the phone call. And yeah, it's pretty easy. A lot of clients just prefer it because it's easy. And you'll just obviously have to send them the audio after the session because they're not going to record it over the phone because the audio quality is nowhere near good enough to do that. But that's fine. You just roll on your end, you record, you send them the file after the session. They can hear you well enough to provide feedback and direction, and it's easy to set up. Skype is like the next step up from this. So you basically just get on a Skype call with the client and the audio quality is going to be better, probably still not good enough for them to record. So you're going to have to still record on your end and then send them the file after the session. But a cool thing with Skype is you can actually set up your voiceover microphone to be your Skype microphone. So you just speak into your mic just like you would when you record any other project. And in addition to that audio being recorded for your voiceover, it's actually also being transmitted over Skype. The more professional options are Source Connect and IPDTL, which are still putting your audio out over the internet. And these options actually are good enough that they can record on their side. When I do sessions this way, I still record on my side just for safety um, because it is, you know, it is going out over the internet. It's possible there can be a hiccup or a little drop or something. So I would recommend still recording on your side in these situations. But yeah, Source Connect and IPDTL are services that you can sign up for and you would basically speak into your mic just like you would as I described in the Skype method and that audio would go out over the internet and the client can record it and you can still record it on your side and send it to them after. And Source Connect has an option called Source Connect Now which you can use in a browser and that's actually free and so you can sign up for an account for that and that's a great free option as well, uh, probably a little bit better than Skype. So that's kind of, I think that's the best free option that's out there. And then ISDN is sort of the old standard method. And it's expensive in the sense that you have to pay for it. You have to have a line connected to your studio or your house or your apartment, whatever it is for it. And you have to pay a monthly fee, I believe, to even have that line, just like you do with your, you know, your internet bill or your phone bill. So unless you have a client that's actually really requiring you to have that and they're giving you enough work and paying you enough that it's worthwhile, probably not necessary to have your own ISDN line. And if you live in a big city uh, like New York or LA, there are a lot of studios that are ISDN equipped studios. So that's an option as well. You can go to the studio and do an ISDN session there. But in terms of which should you be using or making available to your clients, I'd say make available to your clients phone, which is easiest and obvious, Skype, and Source Connect Now. Those are all free and they give enough of a variety that the client can choose which they prefer and they're relatively easy to set up. So um, again, I have a blog post that has more information about pros and cons between them and how to set them up. So I will put a link to that in the show notes, which will be at voiceoverroadmap.com slash 006. So yeah, hope that helps Rebecca and thank you so much for the question. And our final question for this week is the business question, which comes from Samantha and she asks, 
How do I ask for parking or travel reimbursement from an agent or client? Is there a standard for this? So I don't think there is a standard for this, and I don't think this is really a standard thing. I don't think travel or parking reimbursement coming from an agent or a client is typical or normal or really happens that much. So if it's an issue for you, what I would say is make sure that the rate that you're getting for the project itself makes it worthwhile for you to actually travel to wherever you need to go or park or whatever whatever costs you're going to have associated with doing that job. Don't expect that, okay, they're paying me $1,000 for the job. I'm going to get $1,000. And then they'll, they'll also cover whatever else I have to do to get there. Think of it when you're offered the job as, well, I'm not going to actually get $1,000. I'm going to get $1,000 minus my parking or my travel, whatever it is. And if it's coming from an agent, don't forget, minus your agent's fee if that's coming out of it. Sometimes it depends how your agent does it. Sometimes it might their fee might be on top of that thousand. Sometimes it comes out of there. Just make sure you're aware of that. But yeah, I mean, honestly, I don't think that there's going to be a lot of situations where you're doing a job that requires you to travel so far that the travel cost or the parking cost is substantial. You're either going to do a job from your home studio, or if you live in a big city, you're probably just going to travel somewhere nearby in the city to do the job. If I get auditions for jobs that require me to go somewhere really far, like I'm in New York, so if I get a job audition that's going to be in LA, I'm going to probably just delete it if they require me to be in LA, unless it's a really, really great job that pays a lot. And it's a job that obviously I'm a good fit for. Then I'll audition because then if I get it, then it's, and it pays a lot, then it's worthwhile. But I'm not thinking of it in the terms of, oh, I'm going to get paid whatever they're offering. Plus I'm keeping all that money. I'm thinking of it as, well, is it still worthwhile for me if I get paid this money minus the airfare to go over there, the hotel, if I have to stay in a hotel, whatever, you know, think of it in terms of all of your costs coming out of whatever you're being paid for the job. Don't expect to, that an agent or somebody else is going to pay for extra stuff on top of that. And that goes for studio time too. I mean, if you have to book a studio, even if it's a nearby studio and they don't explicitly say that, you know, they're going to cover that in the audition or in any of the communication that you've had with them, expect to cover that out of your end too. So also factor that in if that's worthwhile for you. But if you are in a situation where you get a job from an agent or a client and they're offering it to you and you'd like to do it, but it doesn't feel worthwhile with the rate that they're going to pay you and the travel costs or whatever other costs you're going to have, then I would just, you know, be open and be honest with them. Just send them an email and say, hey, thank you so much for the job offer. I'd, you know, I'd love to do it, obviously. But unfortunately, at the rate that you've set out, it's just not going to be enough to cover my travel costs, my hotel costs, my studio costs, whatever it is and still pay me enough for my session and for my time. Um, and just see if they can work with you. And you never know if there's some wiggle room there. So it doesn't hurt to ask if that's the situation you're in. So yeah, hope that helps. And thank you so much for the question, Samantha. I appreciate it. So let's jump into our home studio review for this week, which will come from Emily Wiley. So what we're going to do is take a listen to Emily's raw audio and her processed audio. So I'm going to play for you back to back her raw sample and her process sample. So again, the raw sample is just her voice into her microphone, into her interface, and that's it. No extra additional post-production. Then the process sample is that same audio running through her signal chain. So if she does EQ, compression, limiting, whatever she does, that's what we're going to hear in the process sample. So first, let's take a listen to Emily's raw audio sample. As a small business owner, you often have to wear many hats. CEO, manager, bookkeeper, marketer, coffee maker? The list goes on and on. You need the tools and technology to help you run your business not only effectively, but efficiently. What if there was a way to manage your entire business 
from one simple, easy-to-use platform. Well, now there is. All right, and now we will listen to that same audio in a processed version. So here is Emily's processed sample. As a small business owner, you often have to wear many hats. CEO, manager, bookkeeper, marketer, coffee maker, the list goes on and on. You need the tools and technology to help you run your business not only effectively, but efficiently. What if there was a way to manage your entire business from one simple, easy-to-use platform? Well, now there is. All right. So uh, thank you, Emily, so much for submitting that and uh, opening it up to review on the show. So the first thing that I noticed in the process sample, so your final version that you're sending out for auditions and clients, first of all, overall, it sounds great. So it's definitely, it's, it's a good recording and good audio quality. Some things that I did notice are there seems to be some sibilance on some of the S's. So I would look out for that. I noticed it on words like business and hats. So just look out for those S's could be a little bit harsh. Most obvious way to treat that is with a de-esser. So you could use a de-esser and you don't necessarily have to apply it to the entire audio overall. What you could do is either just apply it to the actual words that have the S, the harsh S on them. Or if you're putting a plugin sort of in real time, you can automate the plugin so it turns on and off only when you need it. So you can sort of put the plugin on your track, have it bypassed, and then just automate it so it gets enabled only on those words. Another thing I noticed is there seemed to be a little bit of plosives. Again, nothing major, nothing super distracting or terrible, but I would just look out for it. I noticed it on words like bookkeeper. I think it was on the P, so bookkeep, bookkeeper. So uh, yeah, just look out for that. Um, It definitely sounds like you're using a pop filter or something. Otherwise, I would expect to hear much more plosives. But uh, yeah, sometimes it helps to double up and use two pop filters or just reassess your mic position. If you're, even if you have a pop filter, if your mouth is really close to the mic and you're speaking directly into it, that's a pretty uh, heavy burst of air that's going to go into the mic. So even with a pop filter, you can still get a plosive. So I would say maybe take a look at your mic positioning. I would assume that it's maybe directly in front of your mouth and you're probably pretty close to it, which is why we might be getting some plosives and some sibilance. And in the raw sample, I actually heard some mouth noise and little clicky noises. Again, nothing super terrible, but it was there. So uh, something you could try is instead of maybe, if you do have your mic directly in front of your face, something you can try is offsetting your mic either to the left or the right and then angling it back towards your mouth. So if your microphone is right in front of your face, you would actually shift it to the left or to the right, just a few inches. And then now your mic is off to the left or the right. So it's kind of aiming behind you. So now you angle the mic so it's back towards your mouth. Uh, This is a common mic position that a lot of people use. And if you've never tried it, I would definitely experiment with it. But uh, yeah, you had a good noise floor. There wasn't any distracting background noise. You have a good room sound. It's, you know, there's no distracting echoes or boxiness or roominess or anything like that. So uh, yeah, again, this this is good audio. It's competitive audio. And I would just look for those things that I mentioned and maybe play around with a little trial and error and see if you can get something that's even better. But it's definitely sounding pretty good right now. So thank you again so much, Emily, for submitting that. And I hope that's helpful to some of you other guys listening who might have questions about your own home studio audio. So that is going to wrap it up for episode six of the Voice Over Roadmap podcast. And again, the show notes for this episode, if you want to check them out, are at voiceoverroadmap.com slash 006. If you want to submit a question for a future episode, please do. And you can do that at voiceoverroadmap.com slash questions. And you can listen to the show on iTunes, on YouTube, and on the voiceoverroadmap.com website. 
So thank you guys so much for listening again, and we will see you in episode seven. 